the way, brother. I'll just quickly turn my phone off low power mode so it doesn't keep locking itself. Hey, everyone. Yes, oh, wait. Cool. How's everyone going? Awesome. Oh, we forgot to do testimonies, is that alright? You can do whatever you want. You can do it now if you want. Ask other people? Yeah, well, you can do your own testimony. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever. Sweet. Um, yes, so I have been away the past few weeks. Just, I went on like a school, I was like an ex-student on our school mission trip up to Yarrabah, which was pretty cool. Just hanging out with the teens up there and giving them love, giving them Jesus. And yeah, yeah, sorry, it's Aboriginal community up near Cairns in North Queensland. And yeah, it was pretty cool. And then I was just leading with Brad Wall on a HSC study camp as well, like a crew camp one. So we didn't really help them with study. They kind of just studied and then we just loved them and shared Jesus with them as well. And yeah, it was pretty, especially the study camp was pretty awesome. Like we, over the week, um, like there was, I think, 137 campers. And if I had to guess, I think there was probably like 10 to 15 Christians. So like, like largely non-Christian like group of people. And um, Brad had done one before, oh, he'd done a couple before, and then he invited me and he was like, dude, it'll be sick, we should do it. And, um, and we, we really wanted to, um, yeah, see God move in a powerful way. So we fasted for it as well. And like, it was epic. Like, I'm just so frothing on fasting now after that. Because literally, like, apparently it takes like till day three usually to get through everyone's like walls and stuff to start actually having deep conversations with the year 12ers. But literally, like, we rock up on day one and everyone just started just, like, sharing their life. And they're like, oh, this is what I think of God and this is what is happening with my life and this is what's holding me back from Christianity. And everything was just out in the open and we were like, um, okay. And, like, relationships just went, and everyone just got on so well. It was just ridiculous. So we were just frothing. And the whole, like, leadership team is like, what is happening? Why is this camp so good right now? And they're all just so behaved as well. Um... Yeah, so we got to actually do what we were there for, like preach the gospel. And I'm not sure the exact number, but I think about 12 people got saved over the week, which was pretty epic. Yeah, so good. Praise Jesus. And um, four of the fellas that got saved as well got baptized on the last day, which was so mad. They were so stoked. And it was like we, we were at Lake Macquarie at Point Wollstonecroft. I don't know if you guys know it, but um, on the lake that we like baptized them in, there was like, just this like fresh fog on the water and we were like, oh, his spirit's hovering over the water, guys. This is so good. And it was just like the sun's just coming up early in the morning. It was just like pristine. Um, yeah, but that was epic. But I specifically wanted to share one testimony of this dude that um, I was ministering to. Like throughout the week, he was in my discussion group thing and his name was Christian. And basically he got there and he kind of was like to us like, oh yeah, like, I know God's real, but like, um, I don't like know he's real and kind of, he, he'd been, his friend had been making him like go to like church stuff and it had been like, he'd been starting to get it, but couldn't like, I don't know, like fully grasp it and wasn't ready to give his life to Jesus. But he was also like really 
dejected and just seemed really like down the whole time. And he was a bit like non-sociable and yeah, wasn't enjoying himself that much. But then I think it was the third night. So we had Q&A one night, but he wasn't there. And I, I didn't know, but he was out on the wharf on Point Wollstonecroft and he was just like, like having like a tough time basically um would just like um like depression and like suicidal thoughts and i'd shared my story like the night before on camp and like a fair bit of it like gelled pretty well with him and so he his friend came and got him to like talk to him and then he was like oh can you go get ben to come and talk to me um to see how he got over like his suicidal stuff and then I, so I went up and I was just like praying on the way. I was like, oh my frick. I was so scared just cause it's like intense. Like, and I went out and then it was just like a heavy atmosphere. And basically he was like, how do you get rid of thoughts to like kill yourself? And I was like, then I explained like my process through my life of trying all these different avenues to try and like get rid of the, those thoughts and how nothing really worked. And I was like, like, dude, the only thing is like God stepped into my life and then he freed me from it. And that's like literally the only thing that like can free you. And, um, and he was like, yeah, heaps of people have been telling me that, but they're just telling me to like be patient and just wait for God. And it was just like such a hopeless, like set. I don't know. It was just very hopeless. And, um, yeah, then he was like, then I was like, oh, can I pray for you, dude? And he was like, yeah, but before you pray for me, can I like share my like life with you? And I was like, yeah, for sure. And then he just like opened up and just like explained like all his life and where like his depression originated, which was actually like six years ago on that wharf as well at the same place. So crazy. And then, and he'd felt like for some reason that he had to like not go to Q&A and just go out to the wharf by himself. And he was like, weird, why am I doing this? And um, yeah, basically he shared all this stuff that was so heavy. And um, yeah, then I was just kind of like, oh my goodness, this is messed up. But I was like, God, like I can't give him anything right now. I just need you to rock up and just set this guy free and just show him who you really are. And um. So he was sharing some stuff and then I was just like, just kind of waiting for God to give me something to say to him. So I waited till he just like shared everything and he kind of cleared his heart. And um, then I was like, I felt like I was seeing this like traumatic scene that was back in his childhood. And I was like, dude, I know this is like really like tough, but I feel like you should because, oh yes, so he was he was saying as well that he, so many people had said that Jesus is always with you and he never will forsake you and stuff like that. But he's like, but I just don't believe it. I just can't see that he's always with me because why would this stuff happen? And then I, I was like, saw that scene and I was like, dude, this is tough, but I want you to like go back to like a traumatic scene and kind of just like walk me through it. And I feel like it was like the same, <clears throat> like I was seeing what happened in his past. And then um, he just started to explain like the room and stuff. And it was like dark and so bad. And then I was like, dude, but like 
look behind you in the corner of the room and it was like Jesus was standing in the corner of the room and he was just like, just this like soft like light that just kind of, I just got such like a love, like a broken hearted love for Christian vibe from Jesus just standing in the corner and then he was just like sobbing as like this was happening to Christian and it was so intense and we were both just like crying and it was messed up but it was so cool because Jesus just like stepped in and kind of just smashed that lie that he wasn't around and that showed him and then was just showing him that he was there all those times and then I also felt because he was saying that he felt like too much evil had covered him for him to receive the love of God that it was kind of like not necessarily his own evil but like just evil around him and stuff like that just all kind of getting on him and he was like I'm too like evil to get God's love and then I just was sharing about how God's love is like, like love is truly defined by sacrifice and the sacrifice that like the father made for you was literally the greatest sacrifice possible. So he was saying like, you Christian are literally worth like everything besides like God, like we are the most like worthy thing on this like whole creation so like out of creation we're the worthiest thing basically because he's like just for the price that he paid for us he was like you're literally worth the blood of Jesus so he's like I am willing to pay the whole of what heaven's worth for you and that defines his love for you not what you're feeling or stuff like that and so then I was just sharing that with him but it wasn't like fully like clicking <clears throat> and so I was like God like just give me more to say because I just need him to get this. And um, so then I, and then I felt like I should just start to like explain like the torture that Jesus went through for him and then like the cross as well. And so I was explaining like, like him getting whipped and like him like picturing Christian and being like, like every time like something hurt, he'd be like, oh, and he's like, I'm doing this for you, Christian. And it was just like this intense thing of like, just love. And like, I literally saw like, it was like I was looking through Jesus' eyes just like at Christian just like so intensely and then he was just like, I love you so much and just like every time he's like getting whipped or something or he's getting the crown of thorns shoved on his head and he's just like thinking of all the stuff that's going to be setting Christian free through what he's doing and it's just pushing him on. And he's like, yes, I just want to do this. And then I was just kept saying that he was doing it for Christian and I was like, literally, dude, if no one turned like to receive what God's gift grace was if no one repented except you God would still do it and then I started to explain like the nails <clears throat> in his hands and just the pain he was going through but still thinking of his love and then I was like he did it for you and then at one point he's just like he did it for me and then I was like he did it for you and then he just started being like he did it for me and then it, we were just like he did it for you he did it for me but it was like epic and he was just starting to get that Jesus actually was so personally did it for him. And then like God's love just flooded him. It was so awesome. And oh yeah, it was just amazing. We were both just like rejoicing. And then I was praying and I was like, God, just come and meet with him now and just speak to him. And then like 10 seconds later, he's just like, dude, I see Jesus. And I was like, oh, 
And I was, because I was like, I didn't know his eyes were open or closed, so I'm like looking around just in case Jesus is like literally rocked up or something. But yeah, he was like, I see Jesus. And I was like, what's he doing? And he was like, he's calling me. And I was like, what are you going to do? And then he was like, I give you everything and just starts laying down his life. And he's like, I give you everything, God. I lay down my life at your feet. I promise to love you with everything I am. Just starts like going crazy. And I was like, oh my goodness, this dude's literally laying his life down. I'm not even like, oh, it's just proper like, yeah. Oh, it was insane. And then literally, and then yeah, after that, Jesus was like to him, just like, I love you with all of my heart and I'll find a path for you. And that just hit him straight in the heart. And then we basically just rejoiced on the wharf for a long time. And we were just like, because I was like, dude, God is real. And he was like, God's real. And we were just like, it was like 1139. I was like, dude, I'm too excited right now. I was like, do you want to shout Jesus over the lake? And he was like, yeah. And so I was like, one, two, three, Jesus. We were just shouting. It was so awesome. And then at one point he's just like, he was like, dude, I feel like a different person. And I was like, you are a different person. And I just like explained to him being born again. And that's when I was like, dude, you should get baptized. And he was like, and I explained baptism. He's like, we need to do that. <laughs> and he was one of the dudes who got baptized. It was so epic. And literally he didn't, he hasn't, well, every time I've seen him, he hasn't not been not smiling. And he was like, dude, my cheeks hurt so much. I can't stop smiling. I'm not used to this. And he was just like walking around because he was like this at the beginning. And then he's like, <laughs> it's so funny. And I'm messaging him and he's just, oh, it's ridiculous. Oh, flip. That was a long testimony. But yeah, it was good. <laughs> but yeah, praise Jesus. He just rocked up on that camp and did some cool stuff. Yeah. But about wealth. So what I, when I was initially, so I initially messaged Nath. He was like, dude, do you want to do it? talk it on this date and I was like yeah I'd be so keen and then like just but I can't remember it was just before or just after that I think I was like dude just after yeah and I was like oh I'm getting all this like revelation on wealth and I was so wigged out because I was like I'm never going to do a talk on wealth in my life because I I don't know I it always just annoyed me for some reason but then but I started again I was like dude this is has to be from God because I usually hate wealth so I'll do a talk on it and um but yeah then I forgot and now, when I went back to think of it, I don't know, all the stuff about like, because I was getting a lot of like financial wealth stuff, but then when I was trying to like get it down today, I couldn't get like much financial wealth stuff. And I was just getting more of this whole picture of wealth and like kind of like redefining what wealth, what we thought it was. <clears throat> and yeah. So I'm just going to share on that if you guys are down. But I wanted to ask before we start, like, what do you guys think? Like, what do you, what would you say, like, the world's perspective of wealth is? Like, if you had to, like, personify it or say a picture or something like that. The measure of man. Mm-hmm. That's it. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. So it's like a place for like identity to rest in. Yeah. Cool. It's selfish. Selfish? It's all about getting something for yourself. Yeah. Corrupting. Yeah. 
Mm. Yeah, and do you feel like you, like in your heads, you're getting like this picture of, I don't know, someone with like a big, like few million dollar house or, or like big house and fresh cars, a boat, tennis court, something like that with his like sailor boat shoes and his <laughs> like white unbuttoned shirt just walking like this. <laughs> I feel like that's what everyone kind of like aspires to, like the kind of like the American dream, that kind of stuff of like everyone's pursuing this wealth that they think will like give them happiness and stuff like that. But then, and then like a lot of the time, because of the negative aspects of wealth, the church has gone very like opposed to it and been like, no, like wealth sucks, blah, blah, blah. And then like everyone must be, well, there's, I feel like there's two spectrums on the church as well. Some people are like, you must be rich if you are a Christian or like you must be poor if you're a Christian. Like Jesus was poor, so you have to be poor or like sowing and reaping, so you have to be rich and yeah, I was just like kind of thinking of all that and I was like, I don't think any of that's very good. Like, it's not a very good definition of what wealth is and it's not really something that I want to pursue and it doesn't seem fulfilling at all. And I feel like that's why I hated it and that's why I never wanted to talk on it because I'd never really seen any good come from it or what I thought. But then <clears throat> what I really felt God was teaching me is that like wealth is actually not necessarily just money but he was saying wealth is like everything that god has given you is your wealth and it's like basically the grace that's lavished upon you is your wealth and so like oh actually yeah i'm gonna get into this um so matthew 13 if anyone wants to turn there. And it's the parable of the, the hidden treasure. So Matthew thirteen forty four. Cool. It's super short. So the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field which a man found and covered up then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. So what I, what I feel like wealth really is, <clears throat> is the kingdom of God. And because the kingdom of God just contains <coughs> everything good. But like when we think back to when, like when I spoke last time and I was sharing on Luke 12 as well, it talks about like, um, not worrying, but to seek first his kingdom and all the other things will be added to you. And so it's like the kingdom of God is actually this thing that's like, once you find it, it's literally worth everything. You sell everything, you go after it. And then once you've done that, like you don't have to worry about surviving or doing this climb to the top to try and like, I don't know, reach this point of wealth that will like give you your identity or anything like that and literally you just you go okay like I'm not going to be like lazy and just sit there but I don't need to worry because God knows my needs and obviously if he's a good dad then he'll cover them and the kingdom of God has like 
endless wealth. So all I need to do is like just chill with him and just like seek his face and just follow wherever he's going and it'll be sweet. And then this whole like consuming mindset of survival, you can just like leave that and then just go into this place of like sacrifice and serving and you don't have any other, I don't know, like duty really. Like, yeah, I don't know. I kind of went off a tangent then, but anyways. um, So wealth is what we've been given from God and the reason that he gives it to us is for us to give it away because the best thing to do is give. Like God said, like, it's more blessed to give than to receive. And so literally what he's doing is like, guys, like, this is the best thing. Like, I got to do it when, like, I lavished my grace upon you. And it's like, I gave everything. And it's so amazing when you, when you just see, when someone gets it, like, it's so amazing. And so he's like, he's empowering us to be able to give. And so wealth, like, the whole reason that it's given to us all this stuff is for us to give it to others like we're made to be rivers of god not like this stagnant sea and so he's gone like and wealth is more than just money so he's gone like righteousness have it and then just like (coughs) display it and give it out to like showing people like the fruit comes out peace comes out joy comes out and you offer it to everyone that asks and then like you're like god like all this peace that you've given me because everyone like on the earth is on this like as well this like pursuit for happiness this pursuit for peace this pursuit for like joy and this pursuit for money all these different things and then you're like basically we've got the answer and so we can just like walk and be like guys like i don't have to worry about what i'm doing tomorrow because I know that God's got me. And like, when you start living that and people see that like you're going through these crazy trials and times where you should be freaking out and you're not, then you can really start to, well, they'll want to pick that piece that you've got and be like, yum, yes. Because <laughs> it's so good. And then like, once you do that, like you want to give it all. And then you're like, God, I want to give more than I have because I just want more people to have it. And then he's like, yes. So he gives you extra so you can give more. And then it's like this thing. And it's just like, you just start being this gushing river because like, if you hold it all to yourself, it's like in a, like a little pond or something like stagnant water, everything in there just dies. Like it can't, it's not a sustainable life source. Like if, so it's like, God might be giving you these amazing like revelations, this amazing, like words for people, these amazing gifts, I don't know, and like, or just anything, any gift that he's given you and then you're kind of holding it to yourself and it might be out of like false humility or like fear of man or anything, but basically what you're doing is like locking it in and it's actually killing yourself because it's actually, it's good to receive, but it's even better to go straight from receiving to giving. And then it's just like, because that's literally the way that the world is like wired to work. And it's like the economy of the kingdom of God. And yeah, 
what ah oh, where do I okay <laughs> what did I just say last uh, it's how the, the economy of God works <laughs> oh the economy of the kingdom of God yeah, yeah, yeah. is like just receiving and then giving straight yeah, out yeah, yeah. okay I don't know what I was doing, but but yeah. Anyways, oh, actually, yeah. I'm just going to go. So, Acts 3, I'm not going to turn there. I'm just going to summarize the story. But um, basically, Peter and some of his like disciple mates were going to the temple to pray. <clears throat> and um, like they were just going in. And there's this like lame beggar by the side of the gate and he like cries out to them asking them for money and then peter's like silver and gold have i none but what i have i give to you and it's like the spirit of god and he touches the dude the dude gets healed and he's like frothing obviously and so that's like just a straight example of like our wealth is like the spirit of God kind of like well so the kingdom of God is righteousness peace and joy in the Holy Spirit so all of it is in the Holy Spirit yeah so then like our true greatest wealth is the Holy Spirit and so like regardless of what you've been like gifted with along with that like that's the main thing and so he's like Peter hasn't been blessed with money, but that doesn't matter. He's still like the most wealthiest dude ever because he's got the spirit of God. And so he's like, look, so I'm going to give you what I have. And this dude gets set free. And basically also what I wanted to say is that our wealth is measured by our stewardship of the wealth that's been given to us. So like... (coughs) I should have looked up the verse, but I'll just paraphrase it. Um, It's when it talks about like whatever God like speaks to you, like the measure you use, it will be like used against you kind of thing. And so what you get given, you've got to do with what you've got given. Otherwise... If you don't, he says, like, he'll take it away. And if you do with it, he'll give you more. And so it's like the amount that you get doesn't really matter, but it's what you do with it. So that's what I'm saying, how, like, the stewardship of what you get is the measurement of your wealth. Yeah, it's just the parable of the tenants and talents. Yes. Oh, sweet. I know where that is. Matthew 25. Yeah. Because he's actually quite very, very firm and stern with you when you are given something and you don't actually use it. Yeah. But when you do use it, the one that was given a little and used it, and and, and God doesn't seem to mind if you're given a little and you make a little and do a little with it. Exactly, yeah. And then when God gives you a lot, as some of us get given a lot, he is expecting us to do a lot. Mm. But he's never going to make you do more than what you're capable of doing. Yeah, exactly. But but he never wants you to do nothing with what you've been given. Mm. 
Yeah, exactly. Well, I'll read that. I'm going to read that parable. <clears throat> so, and he's talking about what the kingdom of God is like. So he goes, For it will be like a man going on a journey. Oh, by the way, it's verse 14. Who called his servants and entrusted them, entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents. To another, two. To another, one. To each according to his ability. Like what Kathy's saying. So we get given according to what we're capable of. So he's not going to give you more than you can handle and stress you out. He'll just give you what you can handle. And so he knows that you can use with the measure that he's given you. So then the ruler dude went away. <clears throat> the guy who received five talents went at once and traded with them. And he made five talents more. By the way, talents are like 10 grand, I think. So it's a lot of money. Um, so also... He who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here, I've made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also, who had the two talents, came forward, saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here, I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also, who had received the one talent, came forward, saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow, and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant, you knew, that where, you knew that I reap where I have not sown, and gather where I scatter no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him, and give it to him who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance." But from the one who has not, he even what he has will be taken away and cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Yeah, so that's pretty heavy. But what stuck out to me as well is that it says that the, the master left for a long time as well. So now after a long time, the master of the servants came and settled accounts with them. So like he's given them all these money. So it's kind of like, what I'd be like, imagine is like when you initially just like get it, like, and then he goes, God's like gives you this, like the kingdom of God to just go and just preach it and just share it with people and just everything he's given you with that. And then according to like what you're capable with, he'll give you. And then according to what you use, he'll give you more or less if you don't use it. But then he leaves for a long time. So I feel like what he's given and then it's kind of like there's this like time of silence and they don't really... So they might have just been like, oh, like... I don't know, you kind of like could lose like the fire of when you like get given it and you're just like, yeah, boo, boo, yeah. But um, yeah, I don't know. That just stuck out to me. And then um, what also did was like how he's like, well done good and faithful servant, you have been faithful over little, I will set you over much, 
enter into the joy of your master. And so it's like both the dudes that go well, like their reward is entering into the joy of their master. And I just think that's so cool how like we, regardless of what we get given, if we use it, we get to enter his joy. It's pretty epic. Um, And then... Also, what I found, I don't know if it, it's a different parable, the one about the miners, or if it was a different translation that I read it in. Yeah, but, yeah, I know they're different, but I mean, like, so there's this, because there's one thing that says, like, according to what you've said about me, I will judge you. And I, is that in the miners one? No, that's in, um, I think it's Seven on the Mount, so related. Oh, yeah. really? I think so. Okay. No. Oh, okay. He, cause, no, because you know how the servant oh, goes... Yeah, yeah, that's his Luke one, yeah. Yeah? Oh, yeah, and I feel like it's kind of a similar thing here. So he goes, You, master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. So it's like, it, it doesn't really... I don't know, it's kind of like exactly what he thinks about... God is like what he gets judged for. I don't know. that, But kind of here it says that you, you knew that. So I don't know. Maybe. No, I won't turn to the minus one yet. But um, yeah. And then faithfulness. So I was saying that our, our wealth is measured by our stewardship. And like our stewardship is our faithfulness of what we do with what we've been given. And an awesome example of that is the, the chick lady um, <laughs> in Mark 12. This is short. You guys don't have to turn there if you don't want to. But <clears throat> verse 41, the widow's offering. Um, And he sat down opposite the treasury, this is Jesus, by the way, and watched the people putting money into the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums, and a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which make a penny. And he called his disciples to him and said to them, Truly, I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box, for they all contributed out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. So that is using the measure that you've been given. Like she literally, I'm assuming, I don't know if she just like was like, forget, I don't care, but I'm assuming that she was like, I trust that God knows my needs and regardless of if I feel like I'll be able to eat like after this, I just am so overwhelmed by God's love for me that I just want to give everything that I've got. And so she literally gave it all and was like, I just want to like lay it all down, God, and just offer it to you. And that properly using the measure that has been given to you. And I think what's like, God just loves that so much when we, when we go like, God, I want to give more than I'm capable of 
So I'm just going to do it and just kind of step out in faith, just waiting for you because you know that he's going to give you what you need and it's just awesome to give and just bless people or give to ministries and stuff like that. And I feel like when we come, when we come to him and be like, God, like I want to give more than I can actually like possibly give, like in a natural sense, there's no way that I can give this much, but I'm just going to do it. <clears throat> like he just steps in and is just like, wow, that's so amazing. Blessing. <laughs> um, and just like, like he just, he's always got us. So it's so amazing. Mum just told me when I was, cause I was talking with mum about it today. Um, and I didn't ask if I could share this, but I'm sure they'll be fine about it. But basically mum and dad were, um, they were like pretty low on money when, so there's five boys in my family. But so this was when there was four and they, for some reason they weren't getting paid that week or for, or maybe dad didn't have a job. I don't know. I didn't really get much background to it, but basically they weren't getting any money in, but they committed to this amount that they wanted to give to, um, I think it was our church ministry and they were like, it was checks back then when they were doing it. And they were like, should we do this check or not? And they were like, we committed to this, but like, we just can't, like, we don't have enough money to do that. And then they were just like, prayed about it. And they were like, oh, stuff it, we'll just do it. And so they did it. And like, would we would be able to survive if they still did it. We would like, obviously be able to survive, but basically, they did it and they stepped out in faith and they went past what was like what they could really do. And then so randomly they they won this like, I don't know, civic video competition thing and they and they got triple the amount of what they gave, like back to them in money. And they literally never win anything. It's like ridiculous how bad luck they are. And they won't and they never enter stuff either. I don't know how they even entered this. But they just like Got it. And they were like, oh my goodness. Oh, that just reminds me of another thing of my parents as well. They're ridiculous. So when I crashed my motorbike um, <laughs> over in Indonesia, I needed surgery on my shoulder and I needed it pretty quick because it was pretty bad. But we were going like public and... <clears throat> oh no, we needed a good dude because it was like a messed up shoulder. And... They were like tossing up between public or private and public's obviously like slower. I think I was still going to be able to get him pretty quick, but then also like you're not sure who you're going to get. And, um, and they were tossing up between that or private. And then they kind of just <coughs> were like, nah, Ben's like worth like, well, Ben's shoulder. <laughs> no, nah, but Ben's like worth more than like us being able to, I don't know, be like comfortable and live like safely. So then they just like, just forked out and like paid the, for the private thing. And then <clears throat> just after they did that, I think it was the next day or two days later, the exact amount of money that they paid for the private thing was slid under our door in an envelope in cash with no anything on it. And we were like, and we didn't tell anyone about this. So literally no one knew about us 
like not being able to pay for this private thing or anything. It was just like a discussion between me, mum and dad. And that was it. And we were just like, um, but yeah, but I, I feel like that's slightly unrelated, but still so cool. But like, I just think it's so beautiful when we, we, our faithfulness to give like actually goes past our ability and that God, yeah, he just meets you there with so much grace and is just like, yeah, sweet as like, I'd love to keep giving you more so that you can give more. And then it just like this rushing river just comes out and then it's like so many more people can get blessed by you. And then you're just like, oh, just getting rushed by water the whole time. So it's like insane. Yeah. And and then I just wrote a cool little thing at the end. Um, For people that like when we don't feel wealthy with like necessarily like money stuff, like I was just, I was feeling pretty um, lull about me doing this talk because I, (laughs) I was like, I've been, because I've been away for a bit and then our work was a bit like, um, I just forgot the word, but that, you know that? Not consistent? Yeah, sporadic. Yeah. Um, so I wasn't getting that much money in. And I feel like I'm massaging someone. And, and so I'm very low on money. So I was laughing so hard that I was talking on wealth today. That's so unrelated. I don't know why I said that. But anyways, what I was getting... So like Jesus was wealthy, even though he had nothing really he was like a poor dude like in the eyes of the world but he was wealthy because he was full of the spirit of god and it's like every single person that's a son or daughter of god is wealthy regardless of what you like and i feel like what we need to do is be like god show me the wealth that you've blessed me with and i want to see it so i can give it and and i want us to like focus on looking to our wealth that we've given, been given, sorry, not our lack. Because I feel like a lot of the time we just like focus on our lack and then we're always trying to reach for more. But it's like if we focus on what we've got and start to invest it in people, like the like with the towns thing, like, like we actually invest it and we like, this is amazing. Like, especially for like me, I feel like one of the two biggest like blessings of wealth that I've been given is like peace and joy from like the moment that I got born again because I was so robbed of those from like depression and anxiety and then I just was like boom just like rocked with it and so like I just give it out to as many people as I can because it blows me away that it's actually a thing that you can have forever like eternally and it's always there and so like I'm just like I don't know. It's like when we were, so we were in our, we were in our discussion group at um, this study camp and we didn't really like usually pray because no one, we had two Christians in our group and then the rest, like 12 people weren't Christian. But then Al Wharton, my other study leader was like, oh, I feel like we should just pray at the end of this one. So it'd be cool if we did that. Are you guys sweet with that? And they're like, yeah, that'd be cool. And then we thought that they were like down to pray because they kind of like gave the vibe off they were going to pray. So it was like, okay, 
I'll start, Ben, you finish. And I was like, okay, sweet. Um, and then he went and then I just like waited for ages and no one prayed. But it was such a special time because while we were waiting, I just felt like Holy Spirit just like come and just rest so softly in the room. And it was just like this peace just came. And then, and then I prayed and it was just, it was just thick. It was so amazing. And then basically afterwards, I just like, we were late for dinner, but I just quickly shared like as much as I could about like the peace of God and how I'd had it so robbed from me, but how I, I live with what you guys are feeling right now always. And like, and they were all just like, even the people that tried to like explain it away. Cause I was like, did you feel that in the room? And they're like, yeah, but like, it was a pretty like peaceful atmosphere. Cause we're all just chatting and like, and I was like, yeah, but it got pretty intense when we were praying, didn't it? And they're like, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, I guess. I don't know. And they were all just wigging out. And I was like, dude, peace. But, yeah, but it, it's so good. So I, yeah, I think that we should really just focus on what we've been given by God. And let's just be rivers because it's, it's literally more blessed to give than to receive. So let's give. Sweet. Praise Jesus. My pleasure. <laughs> Sorry if I was a bit sporadic. No, nah, I just wanted to use that word because I forgot it before. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. So good. All right, round two. We're going to do a compare the talk at the end. We're going to have a vote. And the winner get to chocolate bar. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Totally kidding. Um, all right, just give me a second. Get prepared. With the internets, the interwebs. Ah, oh, Jesus, you're good. That was quick, that was easy. All right, okay. Um, that talk was really cool because that like super flows into exactly what I want to say as well because what Ben was just talking about was like what it looks like to live with this wealth mindset of giving, right? So like, I feel like it's kind of like step two. It's like, because step, step one would be learn how to trust God with your finances and learn to just let go, like in, in a right, healthy way. And not just like, oh, I don't care about money, but actually like let, let God take it and actually be okay with it. Then the river thing that we were doing, whatever that <laughs> um, can flow like so much easier. Cause you're just like, I actually have like let go of this and I'm actually like, I'm all right, like letting him take control. So that works out really well. We didn't plan that. That's just how, how it is. Um, same spirit. Um, yeah, God kind of gave me this stuff today. So we'll see what happens. Um, okay. First of all, the, do you guys want to guess which, because I got SoundCloud, right, for all the, the talks online. Do you want to guess which is the most listened to talk? Because I can see all the play count. Just guess. Just throw it out there. The sex one? Yeah, 100%. No. <laughs> 100%. And it was like the least amount of people here as well, which is crazy. But the sex one is like... I don't know, it's like 230 or something like that. And the rest of them are just like 40. And I was just like, it's like, okay, sex does sell, but do you know what? I, I, was, <laughs> uh, I was reading something today. I was talking about, this is more in the context of business and small business and all sorts of stuff. And it was talking about like, you don't sell a product or a service, you sell a story and you sell an experience to people, right? So if you're a bed salesman, you don't go sell beds. People don't want beds. They want an amazing night's sleep, right? So if you start talking about the springs and the mattress and where this was crafted and who designed it, people are gonna like fall asleep on that bed because they don't care. 
What they want is to know how good of a sleep they're gonna have at night, right? So you sell the story, you sell the experience. So the reason I say that, so I'm jumping back between points here. The reason I say that is because the reason why the sex one is so clicked on and so listened to is because we are not happy all the time. We've got questions about sex. We're interested in sex. We wanna know more about sex. We're confused by sex. We're desiring more. We're, we're going, we wanna go deeper. We, we want revelation on it. We don't get it. It's a lot of things, right? That's why people click on it. But when I, when I title like a sermon like, the righteousness of God, people just like scroll over it. Cause just like, you know what I mean? Like it's just like not something that you're thinking about. So with wealth, the re reason why this is cool, like this is so random cause I did not plan this wealth thing. Like you thought of it and I was like, yeah, let's just go for it. Um, <laughs> um, reason why it's cool is because, and people will click on this talk, I bet. If I can title it just the right words and the right sentence, people will click on it. You know, like clickbait and all that. Um, <laughs> um, um, if I, yeah, then people are like, oh yeah. If I say, if I say the one trick to wealth that you're missing out on is dot dot dot, they'll be like, oh my gosh, what's the one trick? It comes up. Yeah, yeah. Um, people will listen to it because we all have need with wealth. And like, I remember I brought up when I was, when I spoke on faith, I brought up finances so much because I. Personally, I have really, personally, I've really struggled with like trusting God with finances. I just don't know why I just do. But I see so many people struggle with trusting God with finances. So, um, the reason why this is cool, the reason why this is a good topic is because it, this affects everyone. Like I was saying before, this affects everyone. Like every day, your work, your future, your kids, your house, everything, right? And no one's happy with how they think about wealth. Or maybe some people are, but very few people are. Even the rich people usually feel quite insecure mm. about wealth. Usually, like the, the freest people I've ever seen is do, I do exactly what Ben was just saying, freely give, freely give. And, I, and I'll, I'll show you how you can get to that point tonight. Um, I've got friends that are just so ridiculously generous, it actually blows me away. I'm just like, and they have no money either. That's what, that's what really gets me because I could be more generous, but they have nothing they still give. And I'm just like, how do you, and, they, and they're fine. They're, they, they, they're not starving, you know what I mean? They're, they have a house to go to and they're fine. But anyway, all right. So my story with, with wealth, just a little bit, is that even, honestly, even till recently, I super struggled with trusting God with finances. Even till recently, he had to rebuke me over like two weeks ago. He was like, Nate, you were actually better at this a year ago. You actually have gone, gotten worse at it. And I was like, damn it, you're right. Because I was stressing. I used to go like, I think it was every Sunday night I, when me and Amber first got married. I used to go every Sunday night to get, um, I, mean, it was Sunday, I don't know what night it was. I used to go get the groceries um, at Monavale Woolworths and then I would come back. And then Amber noticed every single time I came back, I was in a worse mood. And I didn't really notice it, but she noticed it. And she pointed it out to me. I was like, oh, she was like, oh, you're, you're down again, like you're depressed again. I was like, yeah, I don't know what's going on. It's just, I hate shopping, I guess, <laughs> I don't know. And then, but the thing was, what I realized, once she pointed that out to me, I realized every time I went to the grocery store, I would start looking at the special tags, I would start looking at the deals, and I would start looking at, oh, this is so much money, and oh, it's such a big purchase, and i just get all up in my head. I would not enjoy it at all, because I was so stressed about money, because naturally I'm quite a good saver, but I'm not a good spender. I don't like giving stuff away. I'm just like a hoarder. I just like, no, it's mine. Get your own. <laughs> Honestly, that's what I'm like naturally. That's really hard for me to do it. I'm sure it's hard for all of us, but honestly, even until recently, 
God was just like, Nate, you don't trust me with finances. You don't. That's why you're stressing right now. That's why you're upset right now. That's why you're angry right now, actually. That's why you're pointing your finger at someone else, blaming them, because you don't trust me. It's not their fault. It's on you. It's on you. I've given you this so you can steward and watch over it and be generous with it. And you're stressing about tomorrow when I told you very clearly not to worry about tomorrow. Anyway, we'll get into that. So flip your Bibles open. Actually, can you pass my Bible? Um, Matthew 6. Yeah, it's a good one. Really? Oh, there you go. That's why. Um, Matthew 6, verse 25. Some of you guys know this passage. Um, so this is in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus just like touches on like every topic known to man in like one sermon. He's just a boss like that. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, legit. <laughs> um, and this is like, this section here is like probably the biggest section in all the Sermon on the Mount, at least that I can see. And it's talking about money and like possessions and all that sort of stuff. So let's just read it out um, and we'll see what happens. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. What you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you'll put on. It is, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Okay, stop there for a second. Jesus goes, Jesus goes, why are you worrying about life? And then he goes, the reason why you should not worry about life is birds. It's like, it's funny, but... He goes, watch what they do every single day. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. So what we do is we, we work hard, we save up and we store stuff so we can be secure for the future. God goes, the birds don't even do that. They literally take it a day at a time. They have no guarantee they're going to eat today. They're not, they're not even worried about tomorrow. They're just, gonna, they just trust that they're going to have food for tomorrow. <laughs> He's, he's, he's drawing on that example. He actually designed them like that. I reckon to rebuke us because he knows that we're just going to hoard our money and be like, no, 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 this is how I'm going to be secure. Um, all right. Um, are you not of more value than they? So J- Jesus is saying, if, if God's going to provide food every single day for birds and you're incredibly more valuable than birds, doesn't that mean he's going to definitely provide for you too? Doesn't it? But we freak out. As soon as we see the, the, the bank account go below a thousand dollars, we're just like, oh. <laughs> birds don't think like that. <laughs> so we shouldn't. I'm serious. My actual big idea for this is trust God with your finances one day at a time. One day at a time. Don't go, don't, you can think about tomorrow, you can plan about tomorrow, but you're not allowed to worry about tomorrow. You are forbidden for worrying about tomorrow. Okay, verse 27. And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his lifespan? He's like, what good is it doing you that you're worrying? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field. Now he's like going to flowers. He's like really rebuking us here. He's like, look at the flowers now. They're even like less alive than birds. (laughs) And still they're fine. Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. Then they neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, so because of all of that, that I've just said, do not 
be anxious saying, but what should we eat? Or what should we drink? Or what should we wear? Those are things that we say, right? As soon as finances start to dip a little bit, we're just like, but where are we going to live? What are we going to eat? What are we going to do? We're, we're screwed. We're going to be in debt. We're going to be this. We're going to be that. Jesus is like, you can't do that. Please don't do that. Verse 32, for the Gentiles seek after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them all. God knows that you need to eat. God knows that you need a place to sleep. God knows that you have needs and if your body doesn't get, you will die. He, do you remember, he designed your body. <laughs> he designed your life. What we're trying to teach you is here to give that over to him and go, hey, I give you back this body. I give you back my life. I give you back my, my possessions and what I need. I trust you with it. <clears throat> verse 33, amazing verse. Please highlight this. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. I remember chatting to someone recently, not that recently, but like at some point about this. And I was like, if, okay, from this passage, if we just seek first the kingdom of God and God so clothes the lilies and God so feeds the birds, if we just seek first the kingdom of God, we will be okay with all of our needs, right? Like that, that is what the passage is saying. Like you can't, you just can't twist it any other way. That's the thing. And I, when I was chatting to this person, I knew that they, they, they weren't really in a place of peace about finances. And I was like, there's, there's no other way to actually read this passage. If you're like, Nathan doesn't say that. It's like, well, what else honestly is he trying to say? He's really trying to say, don't worry about food, clothing and money and your possessions. I know that you need them. That's what he's trying to say, right? But then this person said to me, and it really kind of broke my heart a little bit, but he was like, he was like, well, what about the people that have starved to death? Like, what, what if they were believing? What if they prayed and da, 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 da. And I was like, okay, fair enough. I, I get that stuff's happened, but what about this passage? What does it mean? And he was like, it's just a mystery to me. It's just one of those contradictions. It's one of those like, not contradictions, but one of those uh, paradoxes, right? Just like Jesus said this, but he didn't probably really mean that. And I was like, this is like one of, I, I just, it just hurts. I was like, this is one of the most point blank passages I can ever find in the gospels. Jesus is like, don't do this. And we do it and we freak out and bad stuff happens. And we're like, oh, I don't know what Jesus was talking about there. He was trying to say, in my opinion, take life one day at a time. You can plan for the future. You can plan this holiday here. You can plan to have kids, get a house, whatever but with possessions one day at a time because he knew it would so overwhelm you and burden you so much with money, work, business, finance, the economy, Bitcoin, all this like investment properties, like loans, interest rates. Oh my goodness. That's like stress in like to the max. You know what I mean? <laughs> one day at a time because he goes, Verse 34, therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Like it's honestly, it's enough to, to think about your finances, your food, your possessions, all the stuff that you need for today. It's way too much you're asking of yourself to think about it every single day <laughs> for the rest of your life. It's too much. Jesus is like, if you can just get through today, you're doing really well. You're doing really well. Most people can't do that. Most people go, God, I'm not okay. Where's my money? What's going on with my business? 
what happened here? Why haven't you blessed me? Where are we going? Where are we heading, God? I need direction. I don't have any money, God. I can't, I'm not asking my parents, to, I'm not borrowing off my parents again. I'm not doing that, God. It's humiliating. We start worrying, stressing, fearing. You know why? Tomorrow. You're not stressing about today. You're stressing about tomorrow. And that's where it hurts. Does that make sense? <laughs> you can think about all this stuff. You're just not allowed to stress about it tomorrow. Because tomorrow is its own day. Tomorrow has its own troubles. Today is enough. If you can get through to bed tonight, if that can be your goal, that's a good goal. <laughs> but if you're like, I want to have $20 million for my kids' inheritance in 60 years, like, I mean, that's an amazing goal too. But if you're worried about that now, you're crossing a bridge way before you even get to it. <clears throat> All right. Okay, last little bit. Actually, I've gone short tonight. This is cool. Um, I saw this YouTube video on, actually, no, it was just a video on Facebook on the weekend. And it was about um, the agricultural kind of atmosphere of Israel, even like modern day, but especially like in terms of like the context of the Bible back in the day. And you guys know Psalm 23, right? That's like that famous Psalm I preached on it once. And it's like, the the shepherd leads me beside let me read it still waters but then there's like the green pastures what's that part yeah green pastures um okay psalm 23 verse 1 the lord is my shepherd i shall not want he he makes me lie down in green pastures he leads me beside still waters he restores my soul he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake there's this this whole video that i was watching was all about the green pastures because if you've seen Israel, if you've seen that kind of Middle East area, there's no um, green pastures, <laughs> like anywhere. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's like, like the, where they farm and where they take the sheep and all that, it's like rocky, arid, mountainous regions. And it was like, where, where's all the green pastures that like, passages like this are talking about? And actually what it was showing was that nothing could actually grow on these like dirty, ro um, rocky mountainous kind of areas, except where there was these um, larger rocks, almost like boulders, where wind would, would come in and blow something, I don't know the science of it all, um, blow, blow moisture or something and it would hit the rock and then the, the rock would actually retain the moisture just a little bit for enough for something to grow un underneath it. So the green pasture, what they called green pastures back in the day, was these little tiny bits of grass just around a few rocks. And like, so what, what the shepherd would do is he would actually lead the sheep to these green pastures, these little rocks with just a little bit of food. And the sheep would just follow the, the shepherd along the mountainside until they found these green pastures and they would eat them and they'd be good, right? Okay, but we get this picture, this image of this massive field of just like, oh my gosh, there's enough green pastures here for the rest of my life. I can just eat this forever. Like that's kind of what it's like in Australia, but in the Middle East, it's not like that. And so the point was the green pastures, right? The, the shepherd would lead the sheep to the green pastures and that'd be enough food for the next few minutes. But after that, they had no idea if it was gonna be enough. So they would have to trust that the shepherd was leading them from green pasture for just a little bit, green pasture for just a little bit, green pasture for just a little bit. And there's no guarantee of future 
that was just a guarantee of like what he's doing right now. Does that make sense? You guys following? <laughs> it's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Like the fact that the, the fact is they couldn't they couldn't ever rest and go, okay, now I can just chill the rest of my life done. It was always day by day, honestly, minute by minute for these sheep to follow the shepherd. And if the shepherd didn't lead them minute by minute to these pastures, then they wouldn't be eating. So it was just really like breaking it down into this like really small segments of trust. The sheep had to trust in the shepherd. They couldn't guarantee a meal 10 minutes from now, but they knew they had something in front of them right now. Make sense? We stress, we worry, we fear, we go crazy. I've seen financial stress destroy people from the inside out. It's not, it's not a quick thing. It's a slow, winding down, decaying thing of the soul where it's just like, God's against me. He's never going to bless me. He's never going to bless my business. I guess it's all on my shoulders. I guess I have to do this all, all this stuff by myself. He's not going to provide for me. The, re- the only reason you would ever say anything like that is because you're letting, first of all, life define God rather than the Word of God define God. And second of all, you're worrying about tomorrow. You're stressing about tomorrow when He said, focus on today. How, how much life does that give you? I've, I've spoken this stuff a little bit before. How much life does that give you? Focus on today. Today is enough. Can you get to bed tonight? Is there enough food for you to have one more meal at your home? Yep. Well, then that's all you need for now. There's green pastures coming, but you're not supposed to worry about them. That's the shepherd's responsibility to lead the flock there. You guys know what I'm saying? Jesus. Um, Yeah, (laughs) Jesus. Um, Yeah, you know what? That's it. (laughs) That's all I have written down. Um, Yeah, cool. Jesus. Any questions? Finances? Anything? How big were the rocks? Um, sort of difficult to tell. I guess they would range, but like, like that big, oh, and they'd just be like, they'd be like a few sh- like oh, blades wow. of grass around it, and that'd be it. Oh wow! Yeah. I was thinking like bigger than a human. So. No, 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 no. That was so small. Like proper, not big rock. Yeah, dude. Do, go watch the video. It's like it's mad. Cool? I don't know. Oh, okay. um, <laughs> green pastures. <laughs> don't know. Uh, I just saw it on Facebook, and I was like, I'll give it a watch. Um, anyway. Yeah, yeah, they were small. It was just enough just for now. Enough for like the next couple of minutes and that was it. That was the point. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Any questions? Comments? Qualms? I know this is a curly one. Hit me, Jess. Really <laughs> um, no, that's right. That guy that you said you were speaking with who pointed out the contradiction. Yeah. It is still a contradiction. Why is that? Sure. Sure. Yeah. Well, I think if someone truly like believes that verse in like middle of Africa and they like that fully trust God, God will follow through with his word. Mm. Mm. 
and their need is very different to our need. We can look at a civilization and we can see poverty, we can see um, dirt, we can see sadness, but they see what they have in a different way than what we see. Mm. They, I'm not talking about those who are living in um, persecution, even though we are in many ways persecuted, um, but I'm talking about um, comparing ourselves to, like, just for example, um, a Fijian family that I know. Okay, You go to their place, <coughs> and all they have basically is just a cement block, and half of their kitchen is outside and, and all that sort of stuff. But they do not see their poverty until someone else who hasn't got poverty points, points it out, out to them. sure. Um, and I'm not sure. I guess I didn't completely hear who you were comparing this Bible verse to. I didn't really hear what you were saying. But um, I think she was just saying that, like, the the passage is saying that if you trust in God with this stuff, he will provide, yet yeah, people have actually passed away and there is massive widespread poverty in areas of the world. Is that kind of what you were saying? And that is like, like it's a contradiction, as in like reality is just not living up to the word of God. Mm-hmm. Now, okay, I'm really glad you brought that up because probably most people are thinking that and I was thinking that as well. I wasn't planning on going there, but because you brought it up, no, no, it's cool. No, it's cool. Like it, it's because it, it's such a big topic. Do you know what I mean? Like, because you're actually not just talking about finances right now. You're actually talking about the reality of the word of God, like coming to fruition, which is actually like touches on so many different things. Like, and especially my mind jumps to, um, Nath, I, I agree with what you said, but when, when I hear stuff like that, I actually go, but a, a good father wouldn't do that. A good father wouldn't go, they have need, but sorry, I move by faith only. And I'm just, I'm just keeping back the food so I can watch you starve. Like, that's insane. Like good, good fathers don't, and I know, I know that's what you, not you were saying, but like that's kind of like where my mind goes. And so when these, when these like issues come up, because they are real, like I want to talk about them. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And another thing, it's kind of super rich for us to talk about like God will provide when we're sitting in Australia right now. And I get that. I totally get that. What I'm trying to hit on right now is like um, this stress and worry of money. Do you know what I mean? Um, we that was like the main thing I was going after tonight, as in like we're totally stressed, totally, totally worried about money all the time, even though we're like richest country in the world, probably, or at least up there. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah. For sure. Yeah, and I'm, I'm fully on board with that. Yeah, yeah. I mean... Because I, I know what you're saying. So yeah. I no, no, that's good. I knew that's what you were saying, which is yeah. good. Um, but yeah, th- this whole topic, like, maybe I'll just touch on it a little bit tonight. But like, it, it touches on the goodness of God, 
touches on the sovereignty of God. It touches on the manifestation of the word, touches on spiritual warfare. Like it's actually like such a like dense thing. Do you know what I mean? And I feel like we have covered a little bit of it when we, when we spoke about the goodness of God and all that sort of stuff. Um, my opinion straight away up on that stuff is that when I read stuff like that, that is absolutely point blank. <laughs> of course, like that's ex- that, that question you brought up is the exact first question I had that came to my mind five, six years ago when I first read it, I asked my youth pastor and I was like, but people have died. Christians have died. How do you explain that? And then he was just like, well, I don't know. It's just some, it's just, I don't know. He just didn't really have an answer for it. And, and, and also the answer of like, oh, they just didn't believe, didn't really sit right with me. Cause I was just like, oh, I don't know. But like, okay. <laughs> um, okay. Jesus, you're gonna have to help me with this one. Yeah. Can I say something just super quick? Yeah, of course. Hundred percent. I feel like a lot of the time as well we we devalue the word of God because, like, if we literally believe that He's magnified His word above His name, which it says, like His name is the most powerful thing over like all creation, and it like His name does ridiculous stuff, and His name is like, like we praise Him. It's just like the top thing and like God's magnified his word above his name. And so like its importance and the reverence we should have for it should be a lot more than I think we give it. And like what I, what God just revealed this to me like really like softly. So it was like kind of, it just made sense because he was like, he was like, so the word of God is like, he speaks it, and it's like, when, from when he spoke it, it's eternal. Like, it doesn't end. And it you can't change it. It's just like a done thing. Whereas, like, what we experience has a start and an end point. And so the greater reality is the one that lasts eternally and the one that's been magnified to the top. And so it's like, if this thing says something different to what I'm experiencing, then... I think we need to like get in our <coughs> room and get with God and be like, God, like, I don't see what this is saying, but I know that this is a greater reality than what is around me. Because that's literally what, like, like what you said when Jesus is praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, like ages back, when he goes, your word is truth. And the Greek word for truth literally like translates to reality. reality yeah. And so it's like the word of God is reality and that's how Jesus saw it he's like so what you spoke God is my reality not what I see around me yeah yeah and I'll just say one last thing and that will do it kind of backing up of what Ben and Nate just said um, (coughs) what we do is we go Bible says this but life happened and it often life happens the exact opposite to what you just read in the word and you go what the heck God and we point, we point our fingers at God, we point our fingers at the word and go, it's not true. Like God must be sovereign, but mysterious. And like, we just kind of make up excuses to like, for it to like, for reality to be okay. Um, but following up from what Nate said, Jesus was the example of what it, what it actually did look like when someone did walk in faith. Cause he, he, he walked this world as a man empowered by the Holy Spirit. He was eternally God, but I reckon he came as a man, empowered by the Holy Spirit to do his ministry. Um, He was the example 
of what it looked like when someone did walk in faith. So I'm not saying every single person that starved or whatever or had didn't see healing come through because this, this is this is the same topic like i see something a reality in the word and i don't see it in my life right what do i do with that we go we take life because it, it hurts it hurts so much when life happens we go ah oh, god and we 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 try and make we try and change our theology we try and change our view on god we try and change our view on something and we we push away from the example jesus left the example jesus walked and like Nath was saying, he walked in this example. If he was there, a man walking in faith, fully pleasing to God, then there wouldn't have been any starvation and the will of God would have had its reign over that area. Do you know what I mean? But there is this like reality of just like, there, there is spiritual warfare. There is like an enemy. There is like, like I, I, I don't see everything that I want to see happen in my life. I can't fully explain it. I don't change my view on God. I don't change my view on the Bible. I don't change my view on any theology because of it. I just press in deeper. Like there's this reality of like seeking the Lord in the Bible. It's like this so-and-so thing happened. So I sought the Lord. So-and-so thing happened. So I sought the Lord. The only reason they would ever seek the Lord is because they weren't seeing what they wanted to see. They're like, I don't get it. So I sought the Lord. Do you know what I mean? There's this, re there's this weird, like even I heard a sermon today. It was talking about, it was Bill Johnson. It was talking about, the act, if you look at the ministry of healing over the church history, this is what it looks like. Up, down, up, down, up, down. One generation picks it up, next generation drops it. One generation picks it up, next generation drops it. And we all justify it with our theology, right? Because it is so difficult to handle this like manifestation in front of us of like not seeing the reality that we're going after. And managing your hope, managing your, dis your expectation and your disappointment usually... People get, I got really hurt by that myself with lots of different, with lots of different stuff, with faith and whatever. I'm going after, I'm, I'm believing, I'm doing the best I can, I'm speaking, I'm praying, God, I'm believing, I'm believing, I'm believing, and I don't see it. And what happens is my heart just gets so sour and sick and sad and just, you know what I mean? And it, it really hurts. But there's this, I think there's this like, there's this truth where we just keep pushing, we're pushing, we're pushing. And that, then we will see, we will see what Jesus saw. When he said it, it happened, when he prayed, they got healed. When he spoke, it was. Do you know what I mean? And it was this example that he, he left for us to follow. And we might, we might, honestly, we might bury people along the way. I'm not, I'm not okay with that, but that might be a reality. And I don't have an answer for that, aside from... Building the, relationship Yeah, but even then, like, like the, the devil sucks. That's like my answer. Do you know what I mean? Like there's just this, there's this warfare. There's this like going against your faith, against your belief system, against this. And just so, just so you wouldn't see the reality that, that Jesus left. Cause I see so much of both. I see so much of like people laying hands and no one gets healed. I see so much of people laying hands and people get healed. And I'm like, <laughs> it's just this like constant, like it's this war, this tension between what I see and the reality of the word. And I'm saying the word, the word is my reality, but I don't see it physically in front of me, but I'm pursuing this reality until I see it. Do you know what I mean? I, I just, yeah. You have to continue pursuing that, no matter what Oh, 100%. <coughs> um, Dan Mollett tried to tell um, and teach us as well in a sense where, um, oh, I'm gonna forget it now. I was waiting to speak and I forgot. My That's time, okay. But, warfare that we're in, in we have to remember that it's not a personal warfare 
but it's actually just because the enemy truly believes that the tr enemy truly knows that he can't get God. He just can't get God because it's impossible to get God. So he's going to try and knock us down with things of this world that affect us. Mm. Right? So because, and so whatever it is that he, can, he hears or sees or knows that will affect us, he will plant in our minds to try and confuse us from the word of God. Mm. And the only way to combat this is to, to take your mind away from the things of this world and just focus completely on your relationship with him. Mm. Because in any question, in anything that you are doubting, in anything that you are unsure of, you just always bring it back to the word and you just spend time and, and actually ask him and put it in his hands and, t and tell him that you're having this problem and yep. the Holy Spirit will, will um, yep. give you an enlightenment. Not saying that it happens straight away, mm. but he'll give you an enlightenment and he'll give you... A, and But it's, it's so... It is so, so, so based on not trying to follow your own experience of what is happening in this yeah. world because that is all a lie. Yeah. It's just by following what God actually says. Yeah. And it's part of the relationship where you will, um, the better your relationship with Him is, the more that you will see that you don't question what you see, mm. but you, you, you believe in what you don't see. Yeah, yeah it's, it's actually just like living by faith, not by sight. Like, it sucks, it hurts, it's hard, I don't understand. There's so many things I don't get. But, <clears throat> in fact, I actually might... I, I've been feeling this topic on my heart recently a lot, particularly with prayer, because I, I just realized how much of my life I spent praying trying to get God to do something. Like, do you know what I mean? I just, I just pray and pray and pray, God, please, God, please, God, please. And it just it never sat right with me. It never sat right with me. I was like, why am I asking him to do something that he would, he would want to do if he's a good father? It makes, exactly. It makes, it makes no sense to me that I would be doing that. And so I pressed into God, pressed into God, pressed into God until I got an answer that said, God, you show me how prayer works. I don't get it. And so he, I, honestly, I'll, maybe I'll teach him this next week because I'm, I'm, this is like basically on this topic that it's huge. And like, if anyone's listened to this on the recording or like for you guys as well, and if you're just like, ah, oh, this feels so like, the answer is just not calm and I'm not okay with this. Maybe I'll teach more on this in the future because this touches on like everything. This is like, this is the fight of faith. You know what I mean? This is like healing, sovereignty, goodness, like the love of God, fathering, spiritual warfare, all that sort of stuff. It's so big. But um, yeah, I'm sorry if the answer, that answer that I just gave just then just like just didn't cut it or just wasn't there or you want to hear more. I'll touch on it more next week, but it's such a good question. I'm really glad you brought it up, Jess, because I was thinking it too. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah. Is that cool? We'll touch on it more next week. I'm actually keen now. It's like, it's seriously, I just go week by week with this stuff. Like, it just, he just shows me like what to do next week as I go. <laughs> um, yes. Any last questions? <laughs> All good? Can I like, one. Of course, man. Go for it. So, like the right <coughs> before the whole cure for anxiety thing in the in the Sermon on the Mount, he Jesus actually talks about giving. Yeah. And giving to the poor, and like I guess directly for Jess's question. Yeah. Our faith is an active faith. It's yeah. not passive. Yeah. And even though it seems Come like on. you know maybe starving people in another country, they're not our our field. You know, they're not part of our responsibility. It's, it actually comes to us as Christians yep. to offer, to be generous. Yeah. 
So this whole thing about coming in and going out, God uses people for people. So 100%. Like that, that envelope that went under your, your parents' His. door, right? Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> the guy on the chair. <laughs> like, do you think that someone did that, or do you think that Jesus, like, that God magically made it appear? Or... I don't know. Well, for that specific one, it seems too weird for a person. But normally, yeah, a person. Yeah. Yeah. But, but, sorry, but, that's a bad So, <laughs> but God uses people. Yeah. Right? yeah. 100%. And we, as in it, we can't do anything just sitting here opining about it, but we can do something physically yeah, to come give on. and to sow. Yeah. Yeah. And so we keep that flow going. And that's, God relies on people to do people stuff. In the Old Testament, yeah, he did it all. He gave manna in the wilderness. He sent birds for Elijah to eat. He did all this stuff. Mm. But in the New Testament, we don't see that. God's covenant with people changes and yeah. it becomes our responsibility. Mm. So we need to actively involve ourselves. Like if you've got a sponsor job, you know, that feeds people who would otherwise yeah. not be fed. Mm. It's that kind of stuff that we need to actively do. We've been given yeah. the ministry of reconciliation. Yeah. yeah. I'm so glad you brought that up because That's I was just yeah, sitting here thinking, yep. hang on a second, aren't we the hands and feet of Jesus? Yeah. yeah. Body of Christ. And honestly, that's why I said at the very beginning, actually this wasn't on the recording, but this is like a tiny little bit of wealth because this is so huge. Like giving is like, like, we could do a whole 10 week series on just giving, you know what I mean? And the, the, the responsibility and the, um, the mission that the church has to take care of um, widows and orphans and to feed the hungry like, and, and embody what Jesus actually did. Jesus goes, you're going to always have the poor with you. He said that they're always going to be with you. You know what I mean? And we should be taking care of them. You know what I mean? That that's kind of like uh, that's that's what I mean. When I get into this topic, it just it opens up this like everything. It's just like we just deal with this part, and people are like, but what about this? I'm like, maybe next week. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, legit. But if you um, imagine everyone in this room becoming this living, flowing water, and oh just yeah. Holding, like I so relate to you, Nathan. Yeah. You know the struggle of just letting go. Like yeah. I've been in that struggle too. Oh. It's such a struggle. Because, it's hard. <laughs> you know, understanding and reasoning comes into it all, and you're thinking, well, if I let this go, then I can't pay this bill. Yeah. 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 Or I can't go and buy this. Sure. You know, to feed my children. Sure. And so there's understanding and reasoning. But if we all in this room, you know, decide to become that living, flowing river, man, this just this, in this room, we can make a difference. Yeah, 100%. You know? Yeah. So yeah. That's, that's the positive, that's the, you know, encouraging yeah. part of it. Yeah. Is don't think that you're just one individual and you can't make a difference. You yeah. can, you know? Yeah, 100%. And you know what? Like, it's like the kingdom. The kingdom of God is a seed. It starts very small. Mm. You don't have to go and give away $10,000 tonight. You can if you want to. Like, God will take care of you. But you can give away 10 bucks. You know what I mean? You can give away 10 cents, for goodness sake. Like, the, the, the girl, the chick lady that Ben was talking about, she gave two <laughs> copper coins. It's like nothing. Yeah. You know what I mean? It wasn't the point about how much it was. It was like what it meant to her. Mm. Anyway. Um, <laughs> Jesus? <laughs> to sum everything up, Jesus. <laughs> awesome. All right. Thanks, guys. Uh, see you next week. Peace. Love. Jesus.